the other great thing, you know, we've got the Mid-South Cartoonists Association, and over the years there's plug, been... Plug, plug, plug. Yeah, right? Uh, that would be midsouthcartoonist.org, by the way. Uh, we also meet the first Tuesday of each month. <laughs> uh, anyway, so yeah, you can find out more about that on our website and our social media. Can you tell that this program is brought to you today by the letters M, S, C, and A. Welcome to Drawing Funny, where we talk tunes with some sketchy characters in the comics industry and fandom. I'm your host, Lynn Workman. Steve Troop has worked as an animator, cartoonist, and graphic designer for well over 20 years now. He's the creator of Mayberry Melonpool, an online comic strip series that's been running since 1996 and was one of the early webtoons, or whatever they called them back then. In the late 2000s, Steve's puppet versions of Melonpool were featured in the online web series Quickcast by Kevin Smith. Steve has worked as an illustrator and storyboard artist for Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, the animated series, and the CGI animated feature Ping Pong Rabbit. Steve co-owns Puppet Design Studio out in California, where he's designed and built puppets for Nike, American Greetings, Glee, Jimmy Kimmel Live, Teen Titans, and The Big Bang Theory. Steve has also done live puppetry performance in Trace Adkins' music video, Brown Chicken Brown Cow, as well as Ed Sheeran's 2014 MTV Music Awards Best Mel Video, Sing. He's also the co-creator of Alien vs. Musical. You can find out more about Steve Troop at stevetroop.com, melonpool.com, puppetdesignstudio.com, alienversusmusical.com, and puppettroop.com. And now, somewhere out in the space-time continuum, is Mayberry Melonpool and Millie the Mule, who are discussing podcasts. So let me get this straight, Muley. You're telling me that there's something called a podcast in the future? No, don't you mean the past, Mayberry? The what, what, where, huh? Yeah, you're a space alien, a high-tech spaceship. You're from the future, aren't you? No, my site hasn't even updated since 2016. How could I be from the future? I'm like Star Trek. You know, made in the 20th century, about the 23rd. I thought it was the 24th. Not if it's the real Star Trek. Now tell me again, who's president in the year 2023? That would be... Wait, wait, wait. We don't have... Don't we have pictures together? I mean, didn't we do numerous conventions together? Oh, yeah, and we both auditioned for the Muppets together. Okay, places, please. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on a second here, pal. You know, we don't want the attorneys coming after us again for this copyright infringement stuff. Details, details. Look, don't question physics or science fiction, time travel, or comics. Great Scott! I know, this is heavy. (laughs) Now, tell me about those lottery numbers. The ones that come up next week? Uh, Muley, are you okay? 
Huh? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm fine, Mayberry. I was just, you know, we were talking about science and stuff, and it just, that always puts me straight to sleep. Oh, yeah, tell me again about the sleep number bed. Oh, hold it, hold it, hold it. I can't tell you any more about the past. The future. Present. Anyway, we can't talk about this nonsense right now. Rats. I'm never going to get rich. Stupid space-time continuum. No, no, no. We have a podcast to do. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wait a minute. So tell me again. There's something about the future uh, called the podcast? Forgive me, folks. Take that, space-time continuum. I'll go ahead and hit record. Okay. Yeah, so I'm I'm actually teaching a... um, a class at the at the Scott Land School, or it's called the Land Schools now, um, in Las Vegas. So uh, that's I've been kind of promoting it a little bit because it's coming up fast, and I think I have one student. So. <laughs> Ooh, ouch! So that's what uh, kind of towards the end of March, right? Twenty fourth through yeah, twenty fourth to the twenty sixth. Yeah. Right. Do you do you teach much? Uh, yeah, I started teaching through the uh, th- throughout the pandemic. It was kind of this weird thing. It it opened up i mean i have been kind of teaching people uh, a little bit here and there the the techniques that i use and um uh, stacy gordon uh you know who um over at puppet pie she started doing these online classes and she says is there anything that you want to teach And i go i would love to teach design because people are just making the same puppets over and over again it's driving me crazy and so then I said, well, and I also can teach you how to do the wedge method of of um, patterning and then how to true up those patterns and then how to drape it. And so I started this kind of three part class. It was my it was my lost leader for 20 bucks. You could learn how to design. And then I think it was another hundred bucks. You could learn how to pattern. And and um, so I'm basically taking that class and extending it out to mouth plates and um uh, arm rods and sewing techniques, things like that, uh, uh, over a three day period, uh, one on one. So the people can kind of, I don't just teach them how to build one thing. I kind of teach them like they design what they want to do and then I show them how to build it. That's kind of how I do it. Nice. So did the cartooning come first or did the puppeteering and how did, how did you learn, uh, the puppeteering? So the, the cartooning came first. Um, I, I wanted to be a newspaper cartoonist since, uh, as a little kid. Um, and when Calvin and Hobbes hit that, I wanted to do that, that, that was what I was going to do. So I, I can remember being in, in uh, high school, I graduated in 1990 and I can remember thinking, well, I don't really know if I want to be a puppeteer. I'd never built a puppet. I, I don't know if I want to be a puppeteer or I want to be a cartoonist. Jim Henson died. And I said, guess I'll be a cartoonist. And that was kind of as much thought as I, for the next 10 years of what I wanted to do. So was Henson a big influence on you growing up? No, I just figured, I mean, I loved it. I always wanted okay. to do it, um, but I never, you know, I had bought material to build puppets probably a good, good four years before I actually, maybe seven years before I built anything. I was always kind of afraid to ruin those, the, the materials I had bought. <laughs> and so I, um, I, uh, I had them on a shelf in my, in my closet. And um, I uh, uh, basically with, with, with Henson, it was, uh, I th- I figured he was the only game in town, so I guess that's over with. And so, you know, I'll go into the relatively easy field of being having a newspaper cartoon. Cartoon, um, <laughs> and so that, that syndication thing, man, syndication, thing. everybody can do it. Right. And uh, 
I it's funny because uh, well I'll get to that a little later uh, mm-hmm. um but 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 um I uh I I tried to be a cartoonist for 10 years send, sending submissions off and everything just started I, I was one of the first web cartoonists so I was doing that uh as early as I was posting stuff as early as 94 and uh I had a daily strip by 96 and did that for 10 years and uh, with a lot of hiatuses, but <laughs> so you heard a lot of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. was, I was doing it when it was still doing that. Um, oh gosh, so I was, up. wasn't that the best ever? It Don't was. you miss it? <laughs> I was always like, you know, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> but uh, I, um, uh, what happened with the, with the with the puppetry? How that even started happening was, um, I was in college and I had the college strip as I was doing the newspaper cartoon, as doing the online cartoon. Uh, I mean, I was maybe just a little shy of starting the daily, and I was in a class called uh, uh, techniques in narrative filmmaking, where I had to make a short film, and. <laughs> I was doing a Charlie Chaplin film because at the time I was I was a, a Charlie Chaplin in person or it had a costume and, and did all this mm-hmm. stuff. It's making a Chaplin film, and we had three days of shooting over a period of about a month, and we shot two days of filming. And then before the third day, the girl and the bully both dropped out of the out of the project. So now I'm stuck with a movie with no ending, and <laughs> two thirds of the cast are gone. So my buddy Eric. Uh, Eric Protolsky, who's done stuff with me ever since eighth grade, uh, and still does. Uh, he, um, <laughs> he goes, is there anything else you want to do? You got to get this project done. And I said, well, I've always wanted to do an animated cartoon with my, my comic. And he, and I go, this, that's no way. There's no way in, in nine weeks I'll be able to, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, hand draw a animated cartoon. But how about puppets? That sounds easy. And so I went home that night and I grabbed that stack of fabric and some shipping foam the foam that my mom had uh, had brought home from work and i hot glued them all together and i carved the first mumple head and then i was like well i don't know how to do it i got skinned it was terrible terrible puppet it had richard nixon jowls it was, it was pretty <laughs> off. and um i thought well my grandmother knows how to sew um and she's like 80 at this time and i go maybe i'll take her over and see if she can make a tube that can go down so at least i'll have a head on it on a body and I take it over there and she goes, I have a better idea. And and she lived, she and my grandfather lived about a mile from my college. And I was going there three times a week anyway. She goes, why don't you come over here three times a week and we'll put those characters together for you. And in three weeks, we built four puppets. We, none of us, neither one of us has ever built puppets before. None of us had ever puppeteered before. So I got Eric and his brother, Roger, to be two of the characters. And I got my other friend, Chris Gleason, who basically was the giant. He he loved the strip so much that he had come up with voices for the characters. And he goes, and he was on the staff. And I go, Chris, do you want to do Sammy? He's like, sure. And he took that character and he ran with it. In in high school, I had made a, a full-size set of the Bridge of the Enterprise in my parents' garage that we used to shoot films in front yeah, on. So that became the spaceship. And we, we shot that. We shot it in three weeks, edited it, got it done the night before it was, it was due. And, uh, it got an A in the class. It was great. And we entered it in the local state college and we got uh, in a professional division and we got third place, which we thought was great. And, um, that was basically my beginning of puppetry. Uh, from there, I started getting books and anything I could find online about puppets. And, uh, Usually you would buy a 200 page book and you have two pages about the puppets that I wanted to do. It was all marionettes or, you know, sock puppets or, you know, Mr. Rogers style puppet, glove puppets. 
And uh, I started to um, just piece together how to do stuff. And actually, there was this, um, I still see him every once in a while online. His name is Andrew Young. Is that right, mm-hmm. Kevin? Who I, had I a, think so. Had a, um, a website called Puppet Vision that in there on one of his pages, he showed how he used what the, he called the wedge meth- method to build a teddy bear puppet. <laughs> And it was basically these wedges that you put together and took apart to make different shapes. And I kind of took that and kind of fooled around with it. And I started to build better versions of my characters over the years. And every year at San Diego Comic-Con, because they're the same characters, I would bring the puppets. And then they would run around and get people to to uh, come over to the booth so I could sell comics to them. And I, um, <laughs> it was funny, the same four guy, you know, three of us, and then I had a couple more uh, came every year for like 10 years while I was doing that comic to San Diego Comic-Con. And the only three days they would puppeteer was at San Diego Comic-Con running around with those characters. They had just become so much a part of those characters. And that affected the way I wrote for the characters too, because they would improv little lines that were in character. And I would take that and adapt it to the strip. So it was actually helped me see them in three dimensions and everything. Did you run around with the tape recorder in your pocket running the full-time just in case? No, I, well, I have, have almost, I always say I have a, I have a semi photographic memory where I can pull these little facts out and, you know, oh. b- bits and pieces. Um, I can't, I, I think I'm about 80%, you know, I could 80, 90%, which is, is good enough. <laughs> right. Yeah. I've got a photographic memory too, but unfortunately it's the dark room part of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I can, I mean, I can still draw from memory just about every character I've ever drawn. You know, mm-hmm. like you sit there, like with kids and stuff. It's really hard these days because kids don't know the same cartoons I know. But I'm like, do you know who Garfield is? Do you know who Fred Flintstone is? You know. <laughs> oh, I want Pitbull Rick. Can you draw Ariel? I'm like, <laughs> yeah. But they always ask for the hardest thing in the yeah. world to draw, don't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, what was the uh, your uh, inspiration for Melonpool? So, uh, I, I think, you know, I was always a Peanuts kid watching the Peanuts mm-hmm. specials and I drew all those characters and I drew, I, I watched all the Hanna-Barbera cartoons and drew those characters. And the original Mayberry was a combination of all those characters. So it was like Charlie Brown's head with Fred Flintstone's eyes and Snoopy's nose and, you know, the whole deal. And the whole character was that. And then it evolved as I started drawing better. And, um, I got really into Star Trek when I was in high school, uh, a little bit before I started that. And he already had pointed ears and he had the TV antenna on his head, on his, his hair, his uh, head. So it seemed natural to make him a spaceship captain. And that kind of had where that came about. So, but then Calvin, I had actually stopped drawing when I really, let's see, let me think about, about 83 to 86, I wasn't drawing at all. And then Mm -hmm. Calvin and Hobbes came out and I was like, ah, Roger Rabbit came out. Uh, so it was 88, uh, Roger Rabbit and, and Calvin Hobbes kind of hit about the same time. And I was like, oh, I really should think about doing this card, card comics again, because those two influences, the cameos from, from Roger Rabbit and the, and the, the kind of just crazy visuals that, that Watterson did really got me back into it. And so that was kind of where I, you know, was. And, 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 um, you know, I, I made crappy films, a lot of crappy films when I was growing up. And, <laughs> I, uh, I could at least have a little bit more control with the, with the comics than I could with the, uh, with, with the, with the, with the movies. But I did find with puppet, when I got into puppetry, um, that I was very isolated. It, you know, cartooning is so isolating that I could collaborate more with other people. You know, they could bring, it was like live animation. At least the way I did it, it was like live animation. Mm-hmm. I know, uh, Kevin, you had a similar kind of origin from Muley, right? 
Yeah, I mean, basically, we're twins and <laughs> on everything on inspiration and all of it. And so the yeah. story's pretty much basically the same. Growing up, it was uh, Sesame Street and the Muppets and Charlie Brown. And that's basically what I consider. I, I blend all of that together to get the Muley the Mule and Friends, you know. And um, similarly to your story of the Charlie Chaplin thing, uh, is a little, no, not similar, but um, I tried to animate. The, the joke was going to be a little cartoon of Muley dancing the twist until he just twists himself through the floor and he falls through. And the record would go, Skrick! and that was going to be the joke. And I spent an entire day drawing and yeah. no backgrounds or anything, just drawing Muley doing this thing. And when I ran the uh, the the pages and the most of his movement went like that, <laughs> I said, no, nah, no. Nah. Yeah. I probably still have those drawings someplace, too. I don't know. I keep everything. But yeah, me too. Um, but then um, I decided, you know, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to stick with drawing the comic strips and everything. And then about 1988, we moved from uh, Mississippi and I started thinking about other things I wanted to do with it all. And that's when I started trying to build a puppet. And uh, whew, it the first couple of attempts were bad. And then in 1990, I think I hit on the right thing. And of course, that's that's evolved some as as devolved as he might look. But don't tell him I said that. But, um, <laughs> you know, um, but then I built the puppet because I just knew that I, I didn't have the patience to animate and, you know, full comic book stories and things. For example, I can't do that because I, I don't. Uh, the patience isn't there. So I can spend four or five, six hours on a comic strip and then I'm good to go, you know? Yeah. Uh, but the patience isn't there for the rest of it. And so when it came down to it, working with puppets, collaborating with friends, like you said, that makes everything just feel mm -hmm. so um, fluid. It makes it feel more natural to do those things for me because now we're actually working with the actual, uh, the, the characters as opposed to just voicing. Right. And doing something that you would do for animation. So now we've got the characters who are actually in place and participating. Yeah. So it's, it's, I mean, it's very much the same story, more or less, you know. I think we're the same age too, right? Yeah. Just, uh, I was born in 72. So, yeah. Same. So, I mean, Lynn, we're two peas in a separate pod. But, <laughs> well, how did, how did you two youngins uh, actually uh, meet up? Cause I know I've seen you guys have your, your characters together interacting together at we met events. on muppet central didn't we you know what i think so i, I was I, yeah. was I was going i was backtracking a whole lot and yeah i think that's where it was i we, think we, we met at san diego comic-con after that but i think mm -hmm. originally first few years and we both had a mutual friend in earl uh you know oh, yeah, yeah. Earl, chris. earl chris oh, yes. yeah earl chris and actually, was you know, once ernie the, on, on uh was yeah. once ernie on um muppet central there and uh for his birthday one year i drew him a pretty neat little ernie with the rubber ducky send it out to <laughs> him i funny. thought he needed to have that uh, one thing you were saying about the muppet show and, and sesame street i think i knew that there were puppeteers on muppet show and uh and but i never thought of it as a career and and I, and I do remember distinctly being like six or seven about six years old and watching the muppet show and thinking God, i wish i could go um to the dumpster outside the muppets and get a, a, a real kermit that they just threw away i mean i remember mm -hmm. that and I think about this a lot is my first exposure to the idea that somebody was a puppeteer and I never saw it as a kid because it was too much for me, you know, too advanced for me. But, uh, uh, Jay Johnson on, uh, on, uh, uh, uh soap, you know, him having mm -hmm. the ventriloquist and yes, he was right. unlike a lot of ventriloquist characters. He was a true character 
your personality, you know, their separate entity. And that just seeing the trailers for that uh, or the uh, the commercials for that as a kid, that was what made me think, oh, you could be a puppeteer, you know? Right. Yeah. Well, when I was a kid, you know, I, I always saw folks like, you know, Sparky, you know, Charles Schultz and mm-hmm. uh, Stan Lee and, and John Romita and all. All these guys were like older, which, you know, at the time they were probably my age or younger, you know, <laughs> but I always thought, oh, you had to be an old guy to do yeah. comics. And so I, yeah, I just never thought about, well, yeah, you could do it. Then I started meeting people around here that were my age or younger that were actually doing, you know, uh, some freelance work doing comics. And I was like, oh, so you could do that and you could not only do that, but you can create your own. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I've always worked on a strict negative profit uh, as far as my cartooning goes. <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> I was about to say, it's like, yeah, we definitely don't do it for the money. There have been brief flirtations where I've been a professional cartoonist and then, you know, mm-hmm. a professional puppeteer. Well, let me ask you about the uh, the puppet design studio. How did that start off? And can you tell me about such, uh, some of your TV appearances that your, your creations have done, such as like Glee and Jimmy Kimmel? I mean, that's, that's yeah. Cool. So, so, uh, what happened was is I uh, getting frustrated with nobody noticing my comic after about 10 years. I decided, okay, I, I really enjoy the puppets. I enjoy that more than than cartooning right now. I'm going to stop the cartoon and I'm just going to do puppets. And so, um, Kevin, did you know uh, Ken Plume? Did you ever run around mm-hmm. with him at all? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Ken Plume was uh, just had gotten a job uh, doing, it used to be called uh, Movie Poop Shoot. For, yeah. for Kevin yeah. Smith, Kevin Smith yeah. uh, and yeah. they rebranded as Quick Stop Entertainment. And he, they were looking for content. He goes, listen, I can get you in there with multiple videos if you want to do it. So I did about 10 or 12 of those for him. And this puppeteer named BJ Geyer saw them after the first couple of months. And he contacted me and he goes, hey, you're, uh, you're local. Why don't you come over to the shop? And I thought this is just some weirdo, but whatever. So I looked him up and <laughs> went out to his shop. And he said, you bring your puppets. And I brought them. And he goes, who who taught you how to build? Now, I've been building for about 10 years at this point. Completely self-taught. A couple of videos I'd found online about uh, Brecker, um, I forget his first name, did a video series where he showed how to glue. And I learned that from that. And I had learned a few things. I had a book on marionettes that showed me how to make the hands. And then there was um, a couple of other bits and pieces that I picked up. Oh, and I, I used to watch Trading Spaces. You remember the show where they would, yeah. and they showed how to reupholster a couch. And that's how I learned how to, how to, how to drape was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was all yeah. my, that was all my, oh, and, and Andrew's, um, thing on, on, um, on, uh, wed, the wedge method. So I, um, I took, had, t- he goes, how did you learn? And I said, well, I just kind of pieced it together over the last 10 years. And he goes, you're about 90% of the way there. Why don't you, uh, you know, I was, I wasn't working at the time. I was, I was between jobs. And he says, why don't you come into the shop and rebuild one of your characters? And as you rebuild it, I'll kind of steer you in the direction that you need to go. So he showed me the, the, the Henson stitch and he, he showed me, um, uh, actually they were building, uh, baby Einsteins when I was in there. It was a, it was a, it was a, a puppet thing that they were working on. And so I met a guy, three or four puppeteer puppet builders that all works slightly different and each one of them would show me different like that's how i learned how to pattern that's how i because i was i was basically draping with fake pattern with bad fabric you know or, or not very good fabric and then i would take those draped pieces and i would just use those as the patterns and I, in fact i have one one character that 
it has an envelope because I keep everything in an envelope. This still has those fabric patterns in there because I've never rebuilt them since that time. So she showed me how to true up the patterns and how to, as Carol Binion showed me how to true, uh, true those up, how to do a, a neck sleeve, you know, for the whole thing. A, a, a lot of things. Uh, BJ showed me how to do arm rods better because one time I was using like fishing rods, you know, these giant mm-hmm. fishing rods. Yeah. yeah. The reason I didn't kill somebody with some of those things I used. <laughs> Oh, and the the puppets got, you know, huge, like four feet, three, three feet tall, because I was trying to, I was obsessed with the necks being the proportions of my character, which are tiny. And I knew that I had the wrist, it had to be the wrist size. And so therefore the head ended up, you know, (laughs) like this. And so Mm -hmm. I had these giant melonpole puppets that were getting heavier and heavier. The first Sammy was 20 pounds, 20 pounds. And, um, and then I built, the next year I built another one that was light was 10 pounds. So, uh, you know, I learned quite a bit. <laughs> like I always say with my class, you know, t- teaching, it's like, I'm going to get you where I was in 10 years and three days. <laughs> yes. Well, you could also teach a, a, a puppet workout video. Yeah. <laughs> Those yeah. No, that's true. Hello, let us begin by introducing ourselves. I am Han. I'm Don Franz. And we want to pop. You are. <laughs> I'll tell you that that C three PO I just built is unruly. Oh, I mean, he's geez. he's like three and a half pounds, but oh my god! I, I gave it to Eric, and he's like, "Oh my god, this is a workout!" And I go, "I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> what do you expect out of a bunch of PVC?" You know, <laughs> he looks oh, amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great C three PO that you built. I love it. Right, let's see if I can get over there without. Don't don't unplug yourself. There he is. Look at that. Oh, oh man, you did this the... too. That's yeah, the awesome. silver leg. That is awesome. <laughs> nice touch. But I had to take his legs off in order to puppeteer him. Oh, ouch. Yeah, but I also can uh, maybe put him in a backpack, which I kind of like the idea of that. <laughs> oh, that would be awesome. Yeah. But anyway, there now you've got to make yourself a Wookiee costume. So when you I know, backpack, I was actually thinking right? it'd be kind of funny to make like teenage Wookiee or something like that, mm-hmm. that where he's like in a. <laughs> what was so, it okay. lumpy? Yeah. Know, yeah, lumpy. Yeah. Lumpy, yeah. <laughs> be awesome let's see why not there we go so he's got a thing in here so i can flick the button and then his eyes will pop on ouch pay attention to what you're doing that's too cool isn't that awesome but it's amazing how much the c it gets like c3po movements out of just this pvc oh yeah because it can barely move and it's just like the real costume so Mm mm-hmm but anyway, yeah, that was a fun little project. <laughs> that is awesome. I was going to build him. So at the beginning of the pandemic, I was going to build a C-3PO co- uh, puppet. And I got stuck because I couldn't figure out the mechanism for the neck. And then that was, that. it basically sat in a box for three years. And then I moved. And I um, I took the box with me. And I stumbled upon on the 3rd of, of January, uh, a Bunraku mech where it had that nodding mechanism. I thought, mm-hmm. I think that would work on C-3PO. And I pulled it out and I started design. Actually, I got the designs. Here, let me switch my little. And and just for anybody that doesn't know, Bunraku is, um, oh, we lost you. Oh, there Sorry. you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Sorry. Is, that's Japanese puppetry, right? Where they have more of a. I think, yeah. I'm not a big scholar on that, but yeah, somewhere in here. So yeah, this is my crazy sketchbook here. Oh, I love it. Oh, hey, wait, screen capture, screen capture. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Yeah. So this is these are the drawings I did for how to oh, wow. how I was going to do it. Uh, you know, figured out the mechanism and mm-hmm. the kind of the proportions, and then and I, I saw that you were using like shock absorbers 
for the arms? <laughs> yeah, these are so the uh, the arms were kind of um they were uh uh you know he's got these pistons on his arms you know that actually have to work you see and I was using springs trying that I was trying to make one out of I. <laughs> I so I'm a, I've been a diabetic since I was seven. I was using syringes to try and figure mm-hmm. it out that thing. I was using a a tube with a with a thing, and then I was like, "What does that look like?" And I thought, "Dune buggy shock absorbers for an RC car." I looked up four for seventeen <laughs> bucks, bought them, and they work perfectly. I just took the wow. springs out. Wow! And the, you know, it it kind of kind of works. So no, yeah. it does work. That's awesome. There's a lot of found objects on this. Like I can't. Oh. Your lamp above you is coming down. I saw yeah. you hit it. I was like, "Oh no, we're gonna lose him." No, like are you there? not okay. not not on the internet. I just meant like you know, beheaded. <laughs> Bend like, down, you Wookie. So, so this, <laughs> so this is uh, this is uh, the top off of a Clorox bottle. These are PVC pipe fittings. The uh, the eyes. Let's see, here's a button in here. Uh, those are PVC pipe fittings. Uh, this is part of a touch light on the back here uh, with a with part of a a water bottle a spigot. Yeah. What else is on here? Uh, those are really, oh, the hands are made out of, um, uh, th- those little 99 cent tripods that you can get with a, <laughs> through the, the, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I, they were useless as a tripod, but they were great as fingers. So, <laughs> so that's too cool. I, he's very oh, much God. like crow. He's very, a very crow like yeah. puppet. Crow, crow T <laughs> robot from Mystery yeah. Science Theater. Well, you two guys, I know you, uh, that Kevin, you've used a lot of like, you know, uh, found objects or like, you know, ping pong balls or, uh, spoons and, you know, like plastic spoons and stuff like that. Do you guys just, does your mind just look at things sometimes and go, Oh, you know what? That's, and you, do you like hoard it and wait for later to use it? Yep. So- you, you hoard everything you can and you just keep it. <laughs> and then one day you say, Oh, here's where I can use this thing. Now can I find No, it's it? it's it's yeah. five minutes after you throw it away, you figure out what you're gonna use it yeah, for. Yeah. It is. Right after the <laughs> right after the dump truck loads it in and drives <laughs> off. Wait, I needed that. Found him in a junk pile. Mm. Oh, what a mess. Chewie, you think you can repair him? Mm. Yeah, my oh, so great. so um I worked in a hardware store when I was 18 and I saw those PVC pipe pivot fittings. I thought they look like uh, C-3PO's eyes, but they're, um, they're too big. And uh, that, and then when I, during the beginning of the pandemic, I got the Clorox bottle and I go, that looks like C-3PO's belly thing. And then I say, those two things came together and I just filled in the rest with foam. <laughs> you know, like, cause that's really how it came about. Mm-hmm. And, and I had a toy. I had a, it was called the Galactic heroes version of uh c3po that had the big yeah. head and i had the, i've i've had it on my shelf for years and i always thought that'd make a great puppet you know um yeah, yeah he's got where... that kind of like i guess what they call it like super deformed type yeah uh, you know proportions so yeah that's, that's fantastic. i was looking at him today and i was like yeah he's kind of got a full-size head and a half-size body just like the <laughs> just like the <laughs> proportions you know um so anyway, so yeah. Over. So I worked for B, uh, I was telling you about BJ. Uh, he he guided me through it, and at the end of it, he says, uh, "You know, what are your plans?" And I said, "I don't know." And he goes, he "Goes, I've all. Uh, I want to bring you in on a on a, sh- a, sh- a show as a builder. Great. Uh, the strike happened. That everything got mm. shut down for almost a year. Um, mm. When he came back, he's like, eh, "You know, I don't have anything for you." And I got in a job. 
So I couldn't even take one, but he goes, uh, you know how to draw, right? And I go, yeah. And he goes, I'm always getting graphic designers who don't know how to build and they get these things the client loves. They have these mm-hmm. tiny little necks and tiny little mouths and, and eyes that don't work. And I, you know, why don't you take a shot at it? And so I kind of build all my designs around a hand. And so he likes it, you know, cause he can build it and right. get improved. So I'm glad you're here to tell us these things. that girl to Ipanema that's right all right so we were at the um talking about the uh design design and the you, story you were working thank you for thank you. Uh, bj yeah. and getting yeah. ready to uh go into either design or glee yeah, yeah. so so glee kind of happened it was one of the things that uh over the years bj and i got a, a shop together um i got laid off from direct tv again so uh, I, I, uh, decided I would take my severance and, and try to make it as a puppeteer, uh, short story. I just about lost everything. Uh, but, <laughs> oh, no. See, well, CG, uh, I, I, it's kind of like, I always used to say, I feel like I had two boats or ships, uh, blown out from under me. You know, it's like I, I trained real hard to be a, be a, a cartoonist and then newspapers went away. And then I tried real hard to be a, a puppeteer and then movies kind of went away, you know, using them. But anyway, yeah, so uh during that period, Glee had an episode of um I think every show had an episode about uh um puppets. You know, they had a community yeah. episode, they had a a, a a Glee episode, whatnot. So remember was it Angel that, that became a puppet? Angel did it, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Um actually um and uh there was another one too, but anyway, um he told me he, he was gonna go you try and get Glee. Uh and I said and so I I had a post-it note and I drew Becky real quick, uh, as mm-hmm. a, as a puppet puppet and he hadn't had a meeting yet. And so I sent it to him and they got back later and he goes, Oh my God, they love the drawing of, of, uh, of Becky. We got it. And I'm like, Oh wow. You know, <laughs> and I had, a, he had never seen the show. I was the only one on, on our puppet staff that had actually seen the show. Cause, yeah. um, uh, Sarah had, had my, my ex, I uh, had, uh, had watched the first three seasons. So I was like, oh, I know that, you know, th- this, this series. And, uh, I was able to draw, I think I technically designed, we, we did 16 puppets, but wow. uh, I, I designed eight of them and BJ kind of just pieced together the other ones, but I did drawings of all of them. You know, it was just this kind of, I actually find when designing puppets that, um, especially uh, caricature puppets, the Simpsons is a great place to start because they know how to caricature into a style that has the overbite, has the mouth low, um, that works really well as a, as a, as a, where the puppet is, you know, where the puppet uh, joints are. And Mm -hmm. so if I can see like how they caricatured, I don't know, uh, David Duchovny, I could, I could then say, okay, well, a puppet for David Duchovny would kind of start here. And, and that's that, or, you know, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. um, they have a way of whittling it down to the most barest essentials to get it. And I, I always kind of think that way is like, like the Simpsons is kind of a good place to start when designing a puppet caricature of character. So all these rules, I feel like I'm in a strip club. And after all of this time, they've had everybody on there. Right. You know, and, uh, and when that episode well. hit, yeah. because we were mm-hmm. watching all of that, like the whole series, we loved it. Um, and when that episode hit, you know, I did I don't think I knew yet that you were working on that. <laughs> and yeah. so we're just watching and I'm thinking, oh, God, it's so cool to see puppets getting used on a thing. Because yeah. for so long, it's all like you said, CGI or nothing. 
you know, and then here they are. It's like, oh, I got to watch this one. I have to see that. And mm-hmm. uh, I think later you mentioned it. But, I, uh, you know, one other part similar to the to that, I think, Lynn, you and I were watching the documentary. Is it comic book, the movie? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we're yeah. watching the documentary. Yeah. And uh, God, this is so long ago now because one of our friends was getting married and Muley had on a uh, powder blue tux for the uh, for the funeral. No, the wedding. And. <laughs> Um, and we're watching the show, and I think I just pointed at the screen and screamed, No, pool! and yeah. then says, What? <laughs> yeah, I think you emailed or texted me, probably emailed me because it was probably so long ago back then. Yeah, yeah and yeah. you sent me a screenshot or, or of it. And I actually, and... I grabbed Muley and froze the screen <laughs> right on, on TV, <laughs> and Muley posed with uh Mayberry, and Lynn took the picture, and then we just sent that's that funny. right over to you. Yeah, uh, that's I think so it, funny. So, yeah, yeah, that, that I, was a lot of fun. I have I have never watched that movie from beginning to end, but I've tried to scour it to try and find mm-hmm. that shot. I do remember when they shot it because I was at the Keen Spot booth, and you know they were all just hawking their stuff, and I was I was I was always working the crowd. That was what I always wanted to do, um, uh, you know, with the puppets. And so when that camera came out after the third or fourth group had come through. Uh, you know, every time a camera would come on, they come out. Oh, I do this comic and blah blah blah. Never mind, these other thirty people are standing. Around. I do this comic, and I would be like, like, so I'm like, I'm gonna totally do it to them. And so I grabbed Chris, and he had the Sammy puppet, and I, we walked over, and we started just hogging the camera, thinking it was another documentary crew, or another, um, another uh, like local news. And they came up, and because it had nothing to do with Billy West or Mark Hamill, it was just these people doing random shots came up and had me sign a release and then i forgot about it but then when you when you said oh my god you're in comic book the movie and i go oh (laughs) and i saw that (laughs) shot i knew exactly what it was and i think that i mean that was just i i think there was like a narration over that period and it was just like random shots of comic-con and there was just us like looking at the camera but yeah that was uh, we were we were able to pause i was that vhs back then i guess i don't probably Yeah, it wasn't that long ago, but yeah. uh, I think you, I think you had to, uh, uh, cue up the kinescope and, uh, Uh, the tape was too expensive. We had to record over it. (laughs) But yeah, it was, uh, I mean, I, I, that might actually be on my professional puppetry, uh, 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 resume. It should be. It should be. You know, the thing about a resume that they're looking for, I think, is that they're looking for titles and the part. I don't think they're going to say so. On this one thing, how long were you actually on the screen? I don't think they're going to do that. Well, five years later, I used to I used to share uh, a booth with Billy West. Uh, so oh. Ken Ken Plume got he said, oh, Billy's looking for somebody. He doesn't want to, he wants to be on the main floor, but he doesn't want to pay for a whole booth. Um, so would you be interested in doing a half booth with him? And it was a way for me to get out of Artist Alley. So mm-hmm. we had a, a half a booth each, uh, at San Diego Comic Con. And when I first saw him, I was like, Oh yeah, we've worked together before. <laughs> I was in comic book, the movie, <laughs> at least my hand was. And, um, and so it was, that was actually kind of a funny, you know, he was like, it was great to work with. I mean, we did a couple yeah. of years where he was, he was hawking his, uh, album uh, that he had yeah. done. I am Fry. Well, every time I turn around, I find out, you know, another voice that he's done that you're just like, all right, what has he not done? You know? Yeah. The yellow so Eminem, I guess, is the only I one he hasn't done. I have a pretty good, you know, like a, a, a pickup accents or whatever with, from people. Um, and uh, a, 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 an ear for 
a little bit of impersonations and whatnot. And I uh, also, if you guys have done conventions before, you know you get the con crud where you start to get really oh, yeah. sick. Mm-hmm. So I'm standing there after three days standing next to Billy West. And he's getting the line of people going through. And basically, I was there. I didn't sell a whole lot, but a lot of people would stand in front of my side of the booth as they were lined to talk to Billy. And um, this guy comes up, and I'm standing there, and I'm sick as a dog. And I've been listening to Billy out of my ear for three days. And I go, go, hey, to this guy. And he goes, oh, my God, I love your work. It's so good. <laughs> and I go, you know Melon Pool? Yeah. <laughs> he goes, he goes. No, you're Billy West. And I had picked up his cadence and my voice had gone down like an octave from, from being sick. And, he, and I go, no, no, I'm Steve Troop. This is Billy West over here. He goes, oh my God, you sound just like him. <laughs> Did you sign his M&M package for him? No, no. It's like, yeah. But I, I was, I was, you know, I, I can't really do. I, I mean, uh, I guess Zap Brannigan's the only one, you know, uh, uh, oh, the fair Leela, you know, that, that sort of thing. But I, but, um, but yeah, I, I realized after he gone with my ears plugged and me, uh, being, uh, being, uh, sitting there for so long, I picked up enough of his mannerisms so that I could see how the guy got his, uh, made that mistake. That's funny. <laughs> Can't you leave me alone? I'm miserable enough already. Well, I know, like, out there in, in the L.A. area, it's like they've been doing, like, Puppet Up and some other type of puppet event type things. Um, is, is there anything that you've been a part of like that out, you know, doing the Well, I've never worked for, I've never worked for Henson or, or, or the Muppets. I, I've been kind of Henson adjacent where, mm-hmm. where I've, I've worked with people who've worked for the Muppets. Um, I've done mm-hmm. some design for, like, Greg Ballora and, and, um, um, you know, uh, a couple of uh, BJ and a couple other puppeteers here in town. Um, but really I, I haven't done anything like that. Um, my biggest claim to fame, I guess was alien versus musical. I yeah. saw that. I was cracking up. I was like, Oh my God. Because the, the designs, I just thought it was like, you know, a mockumentary type, you know, like the, the designs for yeah. the poster. I was like, Oh, well that's funny. The Hamilton and all. And I go, Oh, wait a minute. No, it's real. It's an actual. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> production. Yeah. We, you didn't we see did that, that over here, Lynn? No, you never showed me that. Uh, we did hey, two years. Hey, why don't you come over sometime and I'll show you Aliens versus Music. Oh, yeah, because you have a copy of it, right? I gave I you do. a copy. Yeah. yeah that's, oh, do. that's awesome. Yeah. Okay. When friends do things, I try to buy the stuff to support. Yeah, well, there was you know, nothing so, to yeah, sell for that, that one, but yeah, yeah. It's like, so so it was a friend show. We, uh, yeah. my my buddy Eric Eric Protolsky, he and I have been, you know, we were friends since eighth grade. He's he's done his, uh, he's always Ralph and the the puppets. He's always uh, he does all the music for my stuff, and we started going to fringe shows because he he was a piano teacher or a music teacher of some kind. And, uh, some of his students had grown up over the years and had put on fringe shows. Like, yeah, we got to go to, let's go to this fringe show. One of my students is in it. Okay. We go. And, uh, you know, usually we'd be like, we come out and we're like, oh, okay. That was okay in some parts. And after about the third year of doing this, and about the second year, I was like, we got to do one of these shows. And after the third year, we went to this one that was amazing called Poke Musical. And it was, it was Pokemon <laughs> the musical and it was done really well by one of his students and he uh we come out of there and he goes and i go oh that was amazing said, yeah but you know they made some mistakes they we and i was still on this thing we got to do a friend show we got to do friend show he goes you know the thing the thing about it is there were too many characters too many locations if i and it was too long if i'm going to make a musical it's going to be 45 minutes or less it's going to be that long uh it's going to have no more than seven characters and it's going to be one location 
And that same weekend, I happened to get, they had a deal on Amazon for the Alien box set. And I watched, watched the Alien box set, and I go, huh, seven characters, one location. I bet we could do this as a musical. So I said, we got to do Alien the musical. We could do something like it. And so he goes, no, I have no no desire to do Alien, Alien the musical. You know, it's been done. Nobody wants to do it. It, it, it's boring to me. Nobody even remembers Alien. And I'm like, no, everybody remembers Alien. It comes up all the time. It, it, it's good. So I keep picking at him. And we it, it took from June to probably July, August, that same year um, that um, that Tom Cruise movie that was kind of like Groundhog Day, Edge of, uh, Edge of Tomorrow, oh, yeah. came out. We went and saw that. I'm still on Alien. We got to do Alien the musical. And he goes, no. And we're standing in the parking lot. And one of us, he thinks it's, he thinks it's him. I think it's me. One, one of us said, how about Alien versus musical? Where it's like Alien versus Predator will do. And he goes, oh, oh, I can get behind that. That sounds great. And so we came up with this idea. It was going to be a community college that was, you know, just on the edge of becoming a big, a big deal. And uh oh, all the people are, you know, it's going to be big night. Uh, all the critics are going to be there. It's going to be the time when they make it or break it. But oh no, they, somebody found an egg in the uh in the 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 basement of this theater and it takes over the it's gonna be like an immersive thing where where it it took over the theater we're gonna have people planted in the audience that would be have chest bursters come out and the whole deal and it was gonna be this immersive thing but the show must go on and they're still trying to put on this show while the aliens are attacking this is the whole concept for the show we love this idea six months we're trying to come up with this story and we got we have like one month before actually the the advertisements were due the same weekend that we did this but we went out to palm springs we're like we hadn't written a thing but we come out <laughs> and, and we're a month before it's due we had already paid for the the fringe show and he he goes and we're and we're starting to write and he goes there's just one thing why are they still singing and I'm like, go because of the musical it's like no that doesn't make any sense and and I've been a I've been championing this idea for seven eight months at this point, and he goes, "How about if it's a land of musicals where there's all these characters? That each each show is is down to one character. Like Annie is Annie, Maria is Sound of Music, uh, you know, whatever. You know, there uh, there's a guy from Hamilton, or you know, or a guy from from um, uh, Book of Mormon. You know, the, the whole deal, um." And, and they crystallize each of the, the shows and they live in this land, this, uh, this utopia. And then the alien comes and, and kills them all. And I go, oh, that's a terrible idea. I don't want to do that. And so he says, but you know, the advertising for it, we could just do movie posters where, or, or uh, musical posters, um, where we could, you know, kind of distort it with, a, with the aliens. Like, okay. So I start making those as he's kind of charting it out. And we realized that he, you know, he did a lot of musical theater. And he knew a lot of characters. And so he got a list of like 25 characters. And the ones that I knew were the 10 that we came up with for, because I don't know anything about musicals. So if I at least heard of them, then we knew it would be. And then we started kind of whittling them down and, and mix and matching them so that we could hit, uh, get the types of the characters from the original alien. So it was like, we want, we want, uh, Jean Valjean to be Tom Skerritt. We want uh, uh, Maria to be Sigourney Weaver. We want to have Newt, so we'll have Annie. We want to have um, uh, Her- uh, uh, Ash, the robot. It'd be Harold Hill, and you know, like it, it ran it down. And oh, we want we want a uh, uh, guy. What was his name? Was it what was the one the the the, the um the Bill Paxton character? 
We're on express elevator to hell. Going down. Uh, oh, uh, game over, oh. man. Yeah, game it, over. Um, be Danny Zuko, and so yeah. we did the so we did this whole thing, and we yeah. started you know kind of outlining it, and we came up with it in Hicks. three days. Well, no, no, it wasn't Hicks. What was the other one? Um, Hicks, Hicks was the Burke, was Michael no, no, Bain. Burke is the bad guy. Um, yeah. uh, I forget. Anyway, I forget. Go ahead. Come to me at ten minutes yeah. after we end the podcast. Hudson, run a bypass. Um, so, uh, but, but anyway, we put all this together and we did it for, for fringe, did a 45 mm-hmm. minute show, went over great. Then the next year we're like, okay, let's do it again, but let's up the stakes. So we did an hour and a half version where we added a bunch of other characters and, and a lot of other things. And this thing had a 14 foot queen rod puppet that I built and, and an alien suit and, um, uh, the chest burster and the egg and, you know, uh, the, the power loader we did all this stuff out of found. I was, I was like, we don't have a budget. So we're going to do mystery science theater aesthetic. So everything was made out of like conduit and, um, uh, you know, uh, uh foam and, and, uh, you know, PVC pipe and all this other stuff and how far I've come, you know, it's like, you know, it's like, it's, <laughs> so it was all this stuff. And, um, it was this, it was so much fun. And Eric basically wrote all the music. It was original songs in the style of the original musical that they were doing. So Harold Hill does a song about, um, you know, what is like, he was kind of the scientistic character, but he, he, um, it was all in the music man style, but it was talking about what was an alien. And then Maria does one about the, you know, the, the land of musicals being, you know, the ideal place. And, you know, it's just down, Jean Valjean does a fight song, you know, a, 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 a you know, let's rally the troops, you know, <laughs> song. And, and Danny Zuko does a, a hand jive version of, of, uh, you know, game over man, you know, it's like, <laughs> It was great. And so oh, we ended up going off, off Broadway with this thing. We, another mm-hmm. couple of years later, we went over to, we did this. Um, it was a off, off Broadway. And actually we were in negotiations to go off Broadway with it. And we ended up like think, thinking, well, there's no way we're going to make money at this. And thank goodness we did because three months later, the pandemic hit and shut down Broadway. So, right. so we were like, we would have, we would have been just both wiped out by it. But yeah, I love that musical. I think it's oh, so good, great. but. All the, all the puppets ended up being um, abandoned in uh, in New York, so I have. Oh, if we do oh. go, we, we have to start over from scratch. But right. they were falling apart anyway after five years because they were just barely put together. Well, is, is think... that on the internet though? Well, there's parts of it. We never released the entire thing, but um, there's some songs on the Alien versus Musical website, I think, and there's a trailer, and okay. uh, there's a lot of pictures. So. Well, I think sometimes with something like that, that's kind of a parody of something, the, the, the cheesier, <clears throat> the actual props and stuff like that are, the funnier it, it makes mm-hmm. it. So, I mean, if you guys had had like scary aliens, it's like, I don't know. we got some genuine scares out of those really awful puppets. I mean, they weren't that's awful. They, were, they hit the, mm-hmm. it was all really lighting and we had a lot of smoke in the theater mm-hmm. and we also had a lot of it lit with flashlights. Uh, Matthew Tyler, who was a, a director on it, had came up with this whole idea of, of using flashlights and this, you know, the piped in smoke to really backlight the characters and stuff. So oh, wow. they all had the right silhouette, but they, cool. when you looked at them real quick, in fact, I would have the queen out in the lobby as they walked out and people would just go there and like take a look at it and see what everything was made out of. I like the heads were all made out of those, um, Halloween skulls with the, the yeah. jaws. And I would cut the tops off and hook them onto the back, uh, you know, uh, bolt them to the top of uh, kind of the form of the head. 
and then uh, had put springs at either side of the jaw to make them shut. And then you could pull the um, pull a string that ran down that would open the mouth. And that was <laughs> that. And then I had another in the actual alien head was it was great. Uh, um, it was the same mech. It was a, it was like a three foot head that he would wear. And he had the jaw out front that he would pull with a string to make it work. But then when he needed to, he could open the mouth and he put this tube in his mouth and he would blow and the mouth would come out and then he could suck it back in. The second mouth would, would pop out of the mouth and pop in. It was great. And it was made out of one of those yeah. water weenies that you could get at the yeah. nine cent store. I just cut yeah. it down and you, it was enough suction that you could blow the, the handle out to make the. <laughs> <laughs> the entire show, all the props and costumes for that first year was six hundred dollars. That's how much. Wow! Wow! I did all those puppets. It was crazy. That's yeah, awesome. when we used to do the the haunted house, it was it was amazing. Like the big, you know, couple thousand dollar props. They look cool, but they really didn't scare anybody. But it was mm-hmm. like you know, hand puppets or you know, just little boo scares and stuff like that would scare the crap out of somebody. We had like what, what was it like a, a nine ninety nine you know, hand puppet that Kevin would use. Yeah, a little demon head puppet. There there was a scrim with a split down the middle, and it was painted with the, uh, you know, the scream. And it was right at the end of this hall where people would come down to my my picture, and they'd get right against the wall before they would go back into this other room. And I would wait until all four people in that group was right there. And slowly I would push that uh, puppet through the little scrim. (laughs) And I would just right next to to whoever's head was there start going, <laughs> and every time this would you know they would look like this they go yeah. when they saw that face when i saw them through that scrim looking at yeah. that that stupid little ten dollar puppet i go yeah, yeah. And, and it was done. great because it was they all fell, timing they fell over each other yeah, yeah it was all timing because you'd let the first guy go by and then you'd start just as the second one would do and the third one would catch it out of his eye, but the last one would see it, and they would, you know, the, the last and the and the third one would freak out, and the two people in front of them had no idea what was going on. <laughs> they thought it was coming from the next room, and so they're yeah. backing up. So you got two people going here, two people going here, <laughs> and then they just all in the floor. It was great. Yeah. I loved it. But yeah, when yeah. you get those little scares that that you can edge yeah. in, that's always fun. Mm-hmm. I love it though because like building all those puppets. I mean. And I built everything in like two or three weeks. I mean, it was, it was a real quick build. But the thing I was most happy with was the, the, the breakaway dress that I made for Maria because <laughs> I had never done any real sewing before and we didn't have a budget for it. So I went, I scoured every thrift store and I found a top that would fit her that was in dark charcoal gray and a bottom, uh, skirt that would fit her and grafted the two together and then put Velcro all the way up the back. And there's during this big number where she turns from Maria into Ripley, basically. And they, they tear off her shirt, her, her, her dress. And underneath it, she has the, the Ripley uh, tank top. <laughs> and then she, the power loader comes in and she, <laughs> it was, it was quite a, it was quite a thing, That's but it's it like, yeah, I may have built all that stuff, but it must've done a lot of, I've done a lot of builds, but the thing I'm most proud of is that Maria dress. <laughs> It's actually the only thing I have from the uh, from the show. I still have that because really? it was like, it was, yeah, because they go put it. it on. Yeah, yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a size zero. Sorry. <laughs> well, that would make it was, even funnier. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, I, I, you know, we ended up replacing it the second year, so um, mm. so that was how I ended up with it. I had the alien head, the alien queen head for years afterwards, but when I moved, I was like, yeah, I don't have room to store this thing anymore. 
that thing. Actually, I had a second bedroom, uh, when I, my second bedroom down in my little shop and in my old apartment, I had a similar setup. And that second bedroom when I wasn't working was basically filled with the entire Alien versus musical show for every, between years because it would just, mm-hmm. it took up so much. It, it, if I, I drove a hatchback Celica at the time and it filled up, if I had my dog, I could not get everything from that show in my Celica because wow. it was not enough room for my tiny little dog in there as yeah. well. But, oh man yeah. well how long have you had uh tilly 11 uh 11 years she wow. yeah in fact i think her gotcha day is pretty coming up pretty close but yeah. um she's so cute I love yeah her, yeah she's, she's awesome. great she does she's kind of camera shy but she yeah, yeah. is she in there You're... with you no she's in the other room she's oh, okay. sleeping. Okay. Well, your gotcha day came came up recently too didn't it yeah <laughs> uh, yeah happy birthday everybody thank you I, yeah. I love that story I posted. I don't know if you saw it with where my mom. No, what? There was in there the day before my my actual birthday. They came up for lunch. She goes, about this time, fifty one years ago, uh, I was on the way to the dump, <laughs> and I go, is that what you call it? <laughs> and apparently there was a story I never heard before that my mom was was waiting to get. She was just out to here and. My dad had to go to the dump, so they took this long drive out there in their El Camino, and it was bumping. And the next day, I was born. And I think you call my birth the dump. <laughs> At least she didn't have you there. <laughs> right, right. right. Well, that was the thing. And then she said, we did the exact same thing when your brother was born. It was like I was, I was a couple days late, and I was like, let's go to the dump. And they went out to the dump and came back. Next day, my brother was born. Oh, wow. Just it was a really dump. bumpy road. And my mom said it was similar to like when people would walk up and down stairs and whatever to try and get yeah. there. So where did you where did you grow up at? I grew up in Poway, which is a little town in San Diego. Okay. Um, kind of the, the city in the country, they always say, because they uh, left the T off the sign for years. <laughs> <laughs> Well, how many how many times did you go to San Diego? I mean, I, or do you still go to San Diego? Uh, I mean, I go down to San Diego. My parents still live there. I go to Poway, yeah. but San Diego mm-hmm. proper is about 30 miles away from yeah. where I grew up. Um, I didn't go to San Diego proper until I was 22 years old. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> to the big city. And it was when yeah. I went to Comic-Con the first time. Yeah. That was, okay, uh, I was going to ask you, when, when was your first Comic-Con? Yeah, so I was working for a, a newspaper, I mean, a, a, a comic book company, uh, Coloring Comics. Um, and, uh, she had a booth, uh, Clydeen Nee. I don't know if you ever ran around with or knew her mm-hmm. or know her. Uh, she, she, uh, ran the, um, artist, uh, artist alley and the, um, uh, the, the art, the art auction for years at San Diego okay. Comic-Con. And she owned this company and she said, um, and she actually published the first Melon Pool book. That was <laughs> the other thing. Oh. Yeah. Um, but she goes, um, you have to go to Comic-Con. And I go, why she goes you know i i don't do superhero comics like no no i get a booth for for um for doing the art auction i have for years and never have a use for it you go down there and you you run that booth and and sell your comics okay and so that was kind of where it started with that and then she's like and we um her brother uh john john knee they um they uh wanted to I'd always wanted to publish a book and they liked my comics that I was doing. So I wrote the first melonful book. 
uh, on their thing. And then when the company folded, they said, you can keep Melon Pool. I'm like, oh, good, good thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, that's so, kind of a problem in these days with some, some yeah. folks, you know. Uh-huh. Uh, well, you were doing, uh, I know you were doing your uh, Melon Pool comics uh, traditionally, like by hand, and you were hand lettering yeah. and coloring in Photoshop. Are you still working that way, or do you that's, do anything? Yeah, that's kind of how I work. I, I I can do. I have a Cintiq that I do some work on, but for the most part, I you know I sit there with a with a. Br- I got my. You can see how often I I use it here. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um. Let me see. Yeah, there we go. So kind of anyway yeah i i uh, dip it dip it in uh indie i don't even know where the uh, indie ink's right here yeah and i can i can just draw with that it's so funny everybody always says this is their favorite drawings that i do <laughs> when i clean out my desk oh that's awesome yeah yeah mm-hmm. i love that i could actually draw uh, i could actually show you how i ink if you want to see yeah, that sure yeah, that'd be great I- All right. So are you drinking, what is that, a Schlitz? Yeah, yeah, no, it's a Diet Dr. Pepper. This, oh, okay. This, uh, this podcast is brought to you by uh, Diet Dr. Pepper. No. Gotcha, um, gotcha. And and the great taste of water. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, it's low fat. Mm. Yeah. Mine is diabetic uh, coma-inducing sweet tea. So. Mm. Oh, gosh. Mm. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> So the medication helps on that then, right? Oh yeah, you take extra metformin before that. So, yeah. Extra? Good. Yeah, extra. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I diagnosed as a diabetic at seven. I never had cotton candy. I've never oh, wow. had um sweet tea. I think a couple other things I've never had just because So so just so mm-hmm. you know, cotton candy is basically fluffy sugar. Yeah. It doesn't have a flavor. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> Not well, enough. you know, I used to sneak uh, foam insulation or uh, uh, fiberglass insulation. Well to, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't that's melt the, as easily. No, that's right. the, that's the yeah. diabetic cotton candy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, had some man. of those foods. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, so since we've come back, uh, I'd like mm-hmm. to because uh, because you're going to give us a demonstration now, right? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. It's, can you can you talk of... while you draw? Uh, kinda. I can listen to questions and then pause drawing while you while I answer them. Um, okay. I mean, you would uh, you would said you wanted to uh, talk a little bit about the beginning of web comics. You do that now, or yeah, you want to talk? About yeah. yeah, no, let's talk now because you know, just looking back at things, you know, and and Linda and I'll pop in after yours, but um, you know, I know that one of our our friends, John Lightshaw, uh, who we lost last year, yeah, uh, he was one of the first people doing it too, but. What, how did one, how did you learn about it? Two, how did you get involved with it? Uh, three, uh, anything else you want to throw in? So, Four, I think John, what did they call it back then? Well, they didn't have a thing called I don't think webcomics was a word until way after even when the Mid South Cartoons Association. It was about 99, 2000, I think, was when it first started being used. But, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I always say I always say I predate the word webcomics. I think John started about ninety eight, ninety nine, and I started ninety six. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, I was posting stuff before that. I so how how I came about was I was drawing comics for the newspaper in in college, and I had two friends, Chris Gleason and and Greg Skinner, who were big tech guys, and they go <laughs> go, you need a web web website, you, you know, for your art. And I go, what's a website? And he goes, well. 
you can watch a coffee pot brewing in Indiana anytime, uh, day or night. Like what? <laughs> you, this is one of the this is one of the biggest websites that you have. You can watch a coffee coffee pot brewing in Indiana. I go, why do I need a web? I need a what? A website? Yes, you need a website. So they actually said they kind of set up the original Melpole website, which was my pitch, my pitch packet for the latest round of syndicated, you know, syndication package I was trying to do. Uh, so it was like three weeks worth or four weeks worth of comics up there about them crashing their spaceship and everything. And, uh, so that was up there and Greg's older brother ran a internet company. So he set me up with a internet service and I don't remember the exact URL, but it was this long, like, you know, I, I don't remember what the company CompuServe link M something, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. And about six months into that, somebody said, well, why don't you have a URL? And I, I go, well, I, I can't afford that. He goes, no, we can set you up. And it was, I want to say it was like 50 bucks to get com, and I've had it ever since. So by the end of 97, I had a, had a melonpool.com i think that was about right um but anyway so yeah i when i first did it i i i was just basically posting my syndication packs that i was doing once a once a day and i was doing the color sundays on photoshop because i was learning how to do that um but um yeah i i i just did it because i was getting rejected and i was like i think i could keep this thing going if i just had a schedule and so I, I had um, eight weeks of comics when I started and quickly blew through those. And then I was doing it every day, you know, the day of. And then I, um, I had about 100 subscribers. And uh, um, 10 years later, I had, I think, about 200. <laughs> no, I, the best I ever did was, this is, this is honestly, I, I, I kind of petered out at about 600 people were, were reading it every day. And then I had this big thing where, Something happened in the strip. I, it was probably a time travel strip where I took down all the archives. And that was a big deal. Everybody was so up in arms about that that I, I skyrocketed 8,000 people a day checking out my comic because I had this storyline going where I took the strips off, off the internet because they thought it's free. It's always got to be free. And, you know, we're not going to buy anything, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so that was the, the high point. And then when I brought the strips back, it, started dwindling again and i got into puppetry and that was kind of the end of that but yeah so i was i was one of the first i, I always said it was the third web comic because on yahoo at that time there were only two other listings besides mine <laughs> wow. so. that's crazy yeah because like i said i think ours it had to have been around because i met you kevin in what 99 98 99 somewhere around there uh, i thought it might be earlier than that um Maybe. i don't know i don't know when the it was the Ask You Nixon Ferguson art yeah. show meeting that yep. the Cartoonist Association had. And yeah, that's when we got Nixon Agnew. What was that? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm not an artist. I'm not an artist. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was an arch- uh, architecture firm. We had our first uh, big art show. But the, uh, the local uh, morning show, uh, the Wake Up Crew, uh, we were doing a lot of T-shirts for them at the time. And our friend Greg Cravens, who's uh, one of our members as well, he was doing a lot of their uh, promo art for their best of CDs and and that sort of thing. And Tim Spencer, the the guy who was in, in charge of the morning uh, show, he was also their webmaster. So you could hear in the you know the middle of their show, you could hear because he was updating the website while he was on the air. You know, right? 
And uh, he contacted us and said, hey, you know, you, you guys know a lot of cartoonists. What do you think about putting together a funny pages? And I'm like, okay, what, what are we doing? And he and we had what, about eight to ten, I guess, maybe 12 yeah. different cartoonists that had, you know, and it it lasted a good while. Um, but then, you know, the babe of the day started getting more hits. So it kind of went away. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. I just yeah, don't they... look as good in a bikini. Oh. Right, right, yeah. the The comics gave way to beautiful women pictures. Well, Ke- yeah. Keen Spot, you know, was I was with Keen Spot for a long or number of years, and the way they got a lot of their their hits was through their Britney Spears fan club that they had going on the side. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's oh, actually man. not a bad idea. Let me take a note of this. <laughs> Add that to mine. Like, okay. Yeah, so now you can see uh, Mule the Mule and worship yeah. Britney Spears. Yeah, that's right. So when you were doing your comics, uh, again, you were you were doing them traditionally, uh, just you know, mm-hmm. penciling, and then you're doing you're doing brushed ink. We've yeah, been... yeah. I get, I, I I'll, I'll switch over to that and start doing that now that uh, you you made the segue. Um, so basically, this is this is an, uh, one of the last comics I was penciling when I unceremoniously stopped updating the site in 2016 and or 15 i think um i i was basically building all this the puppets for alien versus musical and i was still updating the strip but i just i couldn't stay on top of both at the same time because it was such a crazy schedule and so i stopped mid-comic and it's sit, been sitting in this drawer ever since uh, I, I every day I, I think i gotta update that comic still to this day and i had this idea for bringing it back which i think would be awesome that would put it in a place where i could update it sporadically because it wouldn't be at the on a cliffhanger like it's been <laughs> yeah so i, I remember the storyline was um, Ralph was going through, uh, so, this is Ralph. Ralph was, uh, going through some sort of, um, uh, genetic destabilization because he had cloned himself 10 years earlier into his good clone. And so this is actually Roberta, not Melonpool. Um, uh. but she is, she was the doctor because she had a little bit of a nursing degree or ner- a little bit of nursing train, uh, medical assistant training was what it was. Mm-hmm. So she takes the hypodermic needle and then this is blood spewing out of his arm. And I don't remember what the guy, I actually think I did finish this comic, but I redrew it, but I, I'm not a hundred percent sure. But anyway, I'll show you kind of the process that I did. So I would take a, sh- uh, one of these fine t- point Sharpies and I would letter, let's see, lettering is its own art form. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to letter this whole strip, but I usually would, um, the way I would, would write would be, I would use a sketchbook to do all my, um, writing and i would just i draw a big cross on the the thing and, and do the four panels and then keep revising it till i got something like that would work and then i would pencil in all the uh, the lettering and then i would or no i would draw all the panels and then i would pencil in the lettering and if i had to re write the letterings because I, I i tend to get very wordy and so this is a way to keep myself really low and then i would come back and i would ink the lettering and the the trick that i always had and i'm not doing it right now is you write it out normally, and then as you do each letter, you say in your head each letter. I'm I N G S O M E. So that way, uh, each letter is distinct and not you don't go too fast. That's a good idea. Yeah. Okay, so I'm not doing the greatest job, but and then I do that. Okay, so then I switch over to my brush, which I point I, I put a point on after I. <laughs> <laughs> showed you that it had been neglected for six years right and this is this is another tip that i picked up off online is i take an old 
piece of Bristol here, fold it in half, tape it up, and then I tape the the uh, the bottle to it. Although it's nice. not taped really well, so that I don't knock it over as easily. Right. So let me. Uh, I'm actually going to put a little piece of something on here to keep it from sliding around on me. Actually, maybe okay. if I move it. So when you're coming up with your ideas, are you? Um, do they just come in one full storyline, or do they come, you know, depending on what you just created? I do a lot of pre-writing, like, like, uh, especially with the time travel ones and stuff. I will do flow charts that it takes me almost a year to come up with everything to work out. When I do gags, a lot of the time it's kind of, if it's a story based, I kind of know that from, you know, Monday, I want to have, you know, a theme of stories that goes to, you know, Saturday or Sunday that then, uh, you know, builds on that same idea. So a lot of times I'll just kind of work my way through it, but, I I always I actually think and kind of talk in the four panel, you know the 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 setup uh is setup uh I don't remember what that one's for the 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 pause and then the the punchline is kind of this one two punch thing. So anyway, what I'll do is I'll I'll dip the I don't know if you can see that, but let's see there we go. So I have the little thing there. I dip I dip it in here and then I brush it back and forth to get a point. And then like I said I'm kind of rusty. But I just kind of paint the. You'll notice my my talking goes right away when I start. <laughs> yeah, no, I got you on that because I always feel like if I'm if I'm even breathing when I'm inking, it's a rare occasion because I'm so afraid of messing up. That's such a permanent thing, putting the ink down on the paper. Yeah, but you can kind of see how you get those really cool brush thicknesses and stuff. Yes. Mm-hmm. Let me see. So that's her hand. I I, I tend to work pretty loose when I pencil. So a lot of the final details come in there when I, uh, when I'm doing the final inks and, uh, actually you can kind of see how much ink you can get just by dipping it. I haven't reloaded this thing since I started. So which, uh, brush do you prefer? This is the Windsor Newton series seven, uh, watercolor brush, which is what all the pros use. They tell me, but they're pretty expensive. So if you're going to learn how to use it, I usually get the white, or I always recommend getting the white Sabaline brush, which is the synthetic. And it, uh, it doesn't last as long, but you won't spend as much money. It's a couple bucks versus, you know, 20 bucks for a brush. Although on Amazon, sometimes you can find them for about 13. The good ones will last you five or six years. Or if you keep them in a, in a jar for five years, you could probably, uh, get, 10 years out of it <laughs> like i did <laughs> yes but you can kind of see how how it goes you know that's yeah and then i i come in with another brush another pen which i don't see right now which i do all the lines i usually i do the lines first um and then i'll fill in some blacks and then i'll erase the pencil lines but that's kind of how i ink i mean that's, that's not terrible for not yeah. doing it for so long <laughs> it's better than what i would do with a brush i'll, I'll get into that <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, and the other thing that I think is amazing is that uh, it's it's pretty fast too. You know, mm-hmm. you're able yeah. to go. I'm actually there, faster. But... I'm actually faster with a brush than I am with a pen. Um, when I do the uh, 24 hour comics, the first year I did it all with a with regular pens, and I hated the the uh, the way it all turned out. And um, it was uh, the next year I finished in 17 hours, but it looked terrible. And I was like, I want to see how what i can do with the brush and i did the whole thing uh brushed it took me 19 hours to do it and i had so much more detail and so many more panels 
and it looked more like my art that I was like, oh, it's it's worth it to, you know, spend that extra couple hours. Um, but, you know, really, it 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 just, you know, kind of proved what what could be done if, you know, just because it, it is pretty fast. Um, mm-hmm. And also I was I also found that when I was doing the brushwork, I was being less detailed with my pencils. But with with the ink pen, I was getting really detailed because I wasn't that comfortable doing it. Well, there's two things that scare me about inking. It's Sharpies and brushes. So, you know, congrats there. <laughs> yeah. Well, Sharpies, they tell me not to use because they change color and they're awful and everything else. But I've I've never had too much tr- trouble with them. They turn a little yeah. blue sometimes, but. Yeah. I've got a couple of uh, comic pages that you can tell that they use different, you know, inks and different yeah. brushes or pens or whatever, because it's, they're, you got different colors of uh, of black now. Some of them well, kind of turn a little red. It's kind of like movie props too, in that they're made for that one movie or mm-hmm. even, even, uh, you know, puppets, you know, a lot of times they're made for that one, you know, puppet show. And so they cut corners or they, things don't look quite right because it's not meant as a piece of art. So when somebody does a reproduction, you know, a, a replica, it looks pristine and beautiful because these people are trying to make it look the way they think it looks. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it, comics they have they're made for one thing to reproduce or at least newspaper comics to reproduce in the newspaper so you don't have to do too much artwork as long as the black is black and the white is white Mm -hmm. you can scan it and then if it turns blue later who cares you know (laughs) (laughs) right right once it's scanned it's pretty permanent at that yeah yeah so yeah yeah well well, it amazed me when we went to ohio state uh for their festival of cartoon art and Jeff Smith had a, a bone uh, art show going on. And they also had a uh, Covenant Hobbs, you know, Watterson's. Mm. It was his uh, Sunday strips. And they had like the originals and then the printed version framed together. Yeah. And it was amazing to go through and look and see how much whiteout they actually used. And what they, you know, you could tell where they changed their mind on how they were drawing something. So that was kind of cool to see, you know, see their mistakes or their have, decisions. Have you ever used this stuff? The pro white? Mm-hmm. It's great. It's like a watercolor professional whiteout and you dip a brush in there and you can you can actually paint with it. And okay. it gets it gets hard if you don't. This is probably rock solid by now because mm-hmm. I haven't used it in years. But uh, you add a little bit more water to it and you stir it up and then you can you can re- bring it back to life. And um the first time I ever saw it used differently than just for corrections was uh, on the first Melonpool book. I actually had a professional inker. Um, her name was uh, Linda Medley. I'm not sure if she's still, uh, whatever happened to her. I think she did a couple of comics, but I'm not sure what happened after that. But I had this scene in there where the ship falls into this water and there's this big, expl- you know, plume of water. And she can't remember exactly how she did it. I think she did it in silhouette or something. And she painted all the water droplets with the whiteout. I'm like, oh, that's brilliant. And the way that I do, um, do I have it here? No, I have another art kit around here someplace. But the way I would do my star fields, I have two ways. One is I take Sharpie and I draw all the the black background in. And then I take a toothbrush and I'd water down the white the whiteout and I just flick it on there and then all the dot, dots become stars. The other way is, you know when you get those portfolios, they come with that acid-free black paper? I'd mm-hmm. shoot it right onto that and then scan that and then I could put that into anything uh, I wanted to there do. You go. So, like, yeah. I've funny, cheated. Was... When, when I did uh, uh, Meteor Muley uh, in outer space or whatever the, the rest of it was for one of our uh, uh, association magazines, uh, I just left the background blank 
chose it, erased it, and behind it, I dropped pictures from NASA. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's I, th- I think that's public domain. If not, and anybody from NASA happens to be watching us, which I, yay if they are, but if they are, don't sue me. Uh, I, I, well, Mark, I Mark Mackey, uh, Mackey, I don't know how to spell say his last name, but he, he, he did Zortic for a number of years online. And he and I did a bunch of crossovers back and forth. Ralph and one of his characters are Splink, our, our brother, our half brothers. We did a whole parody of Star Trek five with them being half brothers and this whole deal. And I was in a, a chat with uh, a message board with him and we were comparing notes on how we did Starfields. Yeah. And nice. I laid that out. The, the way I did it, and they were like, "Oh, well, we use like Photoshop and Illustrator uh, filters. <laughs> Nobody uses ink anymore." It's like, "Oh, okay." Yeah, <laughs> yeah I've got some uh, Copic white that's kind of like what you were using. You, you, yeah. It'll get a little thick, and you can thin it back down. And I use the toothbrush, and I'll. Um, I was doing a sketch cover uh, for Guardians of the Galaxy, and I cut, traced out the uh, ship, and cut it out, and laid it down, and put some weights on it, and then did the the flecking around it mm, mm-hmm. but yeah when, uh, whenever we uh used to paint t-shirts uh we'd use a clothespin uh next to the uh the nozzle of the airbrush and it would do that it would build up a little bit of paint and oh. the air would blow it off and you could control how much of a star field you wanted well one of the things you can use this stuff for that i've used quite a bit is when you actually um paste a, another image onto your artwork like sometimes uh you'll reuse the same background over and over again and to mm-hmm. hide the seam you can paint that seam and then right. the photocopier yeah. will keep it from from casting a shadow so yeah it was like i said it was uh <laughs> was i was so scared doing the toothbrush thing though and it was like all right well i got my little frisket you know cut out for the uh the ship and, uh, i don't even yeah. bother with that stuff you know what I, yeah. i'll have all if if i'll draw the whole character draw the black flick the pay, the paint sometimes i'll put a post-it note over some okay. of it and i'll just yeah. kind of flick it over but if it gets black on them i'll fill in the big ones and then just send it out that way and so what if they have little specks all over their faces or whatever i don't care <laughs> <laughs> that's the best <laughs> it way doesn't mess up, it doesn't mess up the lettering i'm okay with it yeah there you right. go. yeah <laughs> i had this friend that when i first started doing the comics high school and they and granted they weren't particularly funny but you know i was learning and i would I would churn these things out so fast, drawing these characters and, and doing the, you know, every day I'd have four more comics to show people and she'd read it. She'd go through and she goes, that's not funny. And I, and I was realizing she wasn't even looking at the artwork. She was just reading the text. Cause <laughs> oh, they go together. I know. <laughs> All like, my no, life you gotta that read... happened to me. I would draw comic strokes. I'd take it to my mom and I'd say, Hey, here you go. And she looked at, she goes, that's pretty and hand it back to me. (laughs) Yeah. Finally, I found out she didn't understand how to read comic strips or comic books or any of that. I said, you take each frame as its own little thing. You read what the characters are saying and you check out reactions, responses, uh, things they're holding or whatever, you know, see, see how they're responding to what they just said above them. And then you go to the next frame and each frame is like a page of a book. So you read each thing. And what she would do, I think is, Read, 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 read. Picture, 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 picture. She doesn't know what this is now associated with this or why that associates with this last thing at the far end of the comic strip. Yeah. And so you have any pet some peeves people just with, can't read them. You have pet peeves with cartoons? Like Do I? Reading com- yeah. Any pet peeves that you're, 
Uh, drive you crazy problem that i had originally um that you know a a bunch of good friends of mine got together lynn was one greg cravens was the other martheus wade was another but everybody and i you know i sat down and talked to everybody and said you know let's just hit me with it my problem then was that i would take a comic strip joke to a point and i would think in my mind like oh it's done that's it Mm. and not push it more make it you know try to say okay well if that's it then what's the next step you know where how what can i do to change that to make it funnier can i change a word can i you know what's the punchline really supposed to be if i think that that's the punchline and it's not really the punchline and so when i read the professional comic strips now uh when when i read them one of the things that i have a problem with is that i feel like they're doing now what i was doing back then not Mm. that i've been drawing anything lately but but that they get things to a certain point and then they're like, Oh, well that's cute. Send it. You know, mm. and it's like, you guys are right there at it. You've got something that you're going to do. I don't know what it is, but there's something else that's coming in there. And so that conversation, I don't know how long ago it was now, 2000, let's just say it was in 2000 when we had this big conversation Um, that, you know, all that time ago when that happened for me is something that a lot of people have forgotten since is, you know, take this and go to that next level. The other great thing, you know, we've got the Mid-South Cartoonist Association and uh, over the years, there's plug, been plug, I, plug. Yeah. Right. Uh, that would be midsouthcartoonist.org, by the way. And um, uh, we also meet the first Tuesday of each month <laughs> uh, anyway. So yeah, you can find out more about that on our website and our social media. And you tell that this program is brought to you today by okay, the bye. letters yeah. M, S, C, and A. <laughs> um, but, you know, with the Cartoonist Association, you know, it's great because when you have an idea, you have this piece of art, you have something that you're working on. And even if it's a puppet thing, I can go in and say, OK, here's the story. Here's where I'm at. I can't figure out what I want this last uh, punchline to be. Right. I can't figure out this next step. And we give each other that next step or that punchline. Mm-hmm. We help each other out because, you know, really what we're trying to do with this whole camaraderie of the association is to make sure that each of us succeed somehow. Right. And so mm-hmm. we're all helping each other and sharing ideas and, you know, well, what if you tried this, you know, just to get the the brain to mm-hmm. think a little bit further than, you know, the, the open box that, that we might have out there, you know, open it up a little bit mm-hmm. and, you know, collaboration, is where we're yeah. at with the well there's a lot of times in the meetings and stuff like that one of us will say something and somebody will go oh my god that's a great idea oh my god that's a good joke that's a good punchline that's and the rule is whoever uses it first because <laughs> <it. laughs> yep. if you sit on it and you don't use it well yeah you lost it hey, my big pet peeve i think is uh lettering hmm. and you know it's people don't put the importance on the lettering and the pacing uh, using the lettering and just the little pointers, you know, to where you've got characters literally talking out of their butts. Mm. Just not knowing exactly where to put the the pointer or the the positioning of the balloons to keep the 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 flow going. Yeah. Um, I I think most of my pet peeves involve lettering. I hate it when the, the, the tag, the pointers cross. I hate it when there's multiple gags, going like this because nobody knows to read them back and forth unless you do it like the, the best I've seen them do is like in the old uh, Mort Drucker mad magazines they would do it but that was only because they were so wide that it was kind of impossible to and that mm-hmm. drives me crazy also I think fonts have been a real bad thing in a lot of ways because yeah. there's a lot of cartoonists who 
decide, oh, I don't need to edit. I can just take it down a couple points in fonts and it gets so tiny and they're so wordy that they like, I always try to keep less than 20 words in each panel if I can help it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Well, you know, that, that goes back to the whole thing we learned in high school art class or the first year of college or whatever that the kiss method, keep it simple, stupid. Oh yeah. And you know, you, you keep the uh, dialogue short and low and that helps the readers get through it too, but it also gives you a little bit more room for the art to go in that comic strip. And that's really, you know, we're looking at it for the words and the art. And, um, you know, I, I do use a font in mine because my handwriting is completely (laughs) atrocious. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that's even when I'm trying to make it look good. So my Um, grandfather was an architect and he always hoped I would be an architect. In fact, I'm sitting at his desk right now. Um, Oh, that's lovely. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, sixth birthday, he gave me this desk and light this with it. And the uh, the <laughs> before he died in 1997, uh, I said to him, "Well, you know, I I still have that light that's on your drafting table. Um, if the light bulb ever goes out on it, how do I? Where do I get a new one?" And he, and he thought about it and he goes. I bought that lamp in 19, after I got a World War II at a, at a second hand <laughs> store. So it was at least five or seven years old when I bought it. And I never had to replace that light bulb in that thing. And right now it still works. <laughs> wow. I love that so much. That is awesome. Now I was going to say, you've got good handwriting in your jeans then. Well, yeah. I mean, he was very intense. He was very, my, my dad picked up his the handwriting and i my handwriting when i print is very much like my mom's and very much like my dad's and and, and grandfather's uh because they had the, mm. the the thing and i i really you know when i started doing it there weren't any fonts so i was like right. really trying to emulate it and um the other thing is too when i do parodies like i do you know uh schultz and watterson and davis parodies i always study the lettering as much as I study that. And I know that when I do the lettering for say Jim Davis, he makes his wise a little half moon straight down. Uh, Schultz is, I think that it might be wrong. Yeah. I think that that's right. And um, so is Watterson, but Watterson's very thin. So it's like, those are the things I like the ways they do their M's their Y's, And it just suddenly brings it into that uh, range. I took a drafting class and the, I'm not a draftsman anymore, but the thing it taught me was how to use the tools, like the lettering guide and how to use the, the repetograph pens and. and Well, I don't have any of my tools anymore. I have a, I have an Ames guide here someplace. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it was the the different strokes and and all that. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 It's it's great. You know, and it's good to have all of those tools too. So, you know, if you find them, send us a picture and describe (laughs) out what it is because we know it's here. Hear that. Um, we've covered a whole range of great stuff here today, didn't we? We did. Yeah. Yeah. For all you puppeteer cartoonists out there, it's (laughs) it's great. So, yeah. So, you know, when I guess, uh, you know, it's, it's fun that we have the comics to support the puppets and the puppets to support the comics and one advertises for the other and, and, um, at least to, to myself and my, my, uh, twin up here. Uh, because of our life stories, you know, it's. I'd take it, offense at that if I were you, Steve. I really would. Just, we're not identical twins, people. I, you know, yeah, not identical twins, there. just he, our he's, stories. He, he's curly to my Larry, so. <laughs> <laughs> Why'd you leave him alone? Yeah, <laughs> 
<laughs> oh gosh, yeah. I'm not your brains out if you had any. So, uh, but yeah, I think that it's you know it's it's been fun to to use both of these art styles and all, and and I guess that in closing, uh, do we have uh, Steve? Do you have anything to plug? Plug it away. Well, I'm doing my my class in at the the land schools in uh, it's landschools.org. It's March 24th to 26th, uh, teaching pup, uh, puppet design and building uh, or fabrication. Eventually, I'm really working towards. My, I'm going to do a website called Puppet Troop, where mm-hmm. I start teaching design and puppetry online. Uh, and I I tell you, I uh, I really do feel like nobody's teaching how to design puppets that's why they're all starting to look very similar mm-hmm. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and um it's a weird art form but it's it's cool too i mean i've always liked to build things that's as is kind of like the way for me to kind of do that and oh yes and um, well i like the fact that your your arts you know your drawing skills you know help your puppetry skills and then your puppetry skills help your design skills and it just kind of builds on on top of each other like that and the and weirdest revelation- dialogue too Mm-hmm. Helps with that. The the weirdest uh, revelation I I came to when I was uh, uh, starting to teach classes during the pandemic was how much my art has influenced the way I design puppets. In that, when I draw just about everything, it starts with a circle or a basic shape, which then comes out to more refined things as I ink it. And when I create a puppet from scratch, I'm creating a sphere that I add details to until I get to the shape I want. And it's like, why the and it got me thinking that if somebody, you know, works on cars or something, they'll take that me- mechanical knowledge into how they would build puppets. Or if somebody's a musician, they'll bring those skills into the way they design. It's like everybody's doing the same type of work with the same type of materials, but it's what they bring in outside of their the puppetry that makes their own unique way of doing it. It's very interesting. So. Yeah, it's definitely cool. You started Muley like you would take them around to places separate from the cartoons or was it kind of an offshoot of the cartoons offshoot of the cartoons it was an offshoot so, so i was doing the comics before both in a local paper uh school newsletter and which i don't have any of that um <laughs> the newspaper in college but in, in in 1990 uh when i made the puppet he was going everywhere and then all the other characters came along so your puppet predates mine by four years really I, yeah I, 94 was when i built mayberry the first oh gosh! The first. So I, actually, the way I started, do, they were separate for a while, and it was I had made the film, and the first day I was exhibiting at Comic Con, I saw people in mascot outfits plugging the different thing, and so I was like, I got those at home. I'm just going to bring them in tomorrow, and that was how that started. Was, was no, me I'm bringing glad in you the. Did. We've got to get Muley and and Mayberry together more often. As a matter of fact, <laughs> yeah, so that'll be yeah. cool. And one thing you didn't plug, but uh, mm-hmm. folks go on Amazon.com, type in Steve Troop. That's T R O O P. Uh huh. And uh, find us Tilly books. I'm going to tell you, those three books are mm-hmm. some of the most glorious little treasures to go through and look at the images in that. I love those books so much. So, so when I did those, when I was doing Melonpool, I always thought it was, I was like, I want to be the next Bill Watterson. And then I realized after I did the Tilly books, I was the next uh, Brad Anderson in that it was like Marmaduke puppets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Well, do you do? They're, they're, uh, they're beautiful. Do you, do you do a Patreon? Oh, the Patreon's been the biggest bane of my existence. I I have I have a Patreon. 
that I ran with the comics and I have so much guilt every time I still get that 40 bucks a month out of it because I haven't <laughs> updated it in forever. Yeah. I feel so much, I feel guilty about that and I feel guilty about the Melonpool movie, which I never finished either. But I mean, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> well, now terrible. you know you've got something to go work on after this. Right. Steve, we appreciate you so much taking out time and being here with us. Yeah. Lynn? No, no, go finish that comic. <laughs> yeah, go finish yeah. that comic strip, man. Use I'll that you, ending I you, gave you because I can't do anything with an ending you, like that. Viewer apathy has just drained me of so many projects. It's like I feel like I'm not, you know, I get to this threshold of people looking at it and then there's nowhere to go. And I'm like, well, I got to try something else because nobody else is going <laughs> to this comic or whatever. So. Oh, that's awesome. All well, right, thanks. Steve. Thank you so much. Lynn, thank you for moderating us. Mm, and, thanks for uh, setting us up. Yeah. yeah. No, I appreciate it, guys. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Yeah. Yep. Cool. MidSouthCartoonists.org, uh, social media at MidSouthCartoonists, and um, find us there and then find us in person. Come out. Uh, first Tuesdays, uh, we're right now at this recording at Garibaldi's Pizza, and we're out of time. Take care, yeah. everybody. Thank you. See you. <laughs> Bye. Bye. This can't be happening, man. This isn't happening. Hey, gang, before I officially get out of here, I just wanted to uh, thank Kevin L. Williams, uh, president of the Mid-South Cartoon Association, for setting up this interview with Steve Troop. I really appreciate the, uh, the podcast hookup there. And I also want to remind everybody that we've got our MSCA dinner meeting coming up. We meet, uh, as you heard Kevin uh, say in the episode, we meet once a month on the first Tuesday of the month uh, at Garibaldi's Pizza in the uh, U of M area. It's over off Walker uh, near Highland, uh, right across the street from Tiger Bookstore and right around the corner from the Highland Strip. Uh, We'll be there from 6 to 8 p.m. It's uh, free and open to the public, but, you know, feel free to uh, bring a few bucks to order off the menu. And we're also, uh, we had our uh, recent drink and draw and uh, sketchy Saturday events at the uh, 901 Comics East out in Cordova. Both of them were a huge success. Uh, we had a few uh, technical issues with MLG and W and the power when I, uh, a storm blew through. But everybody hung out and we drew in the dark uh, best we could. Uh, you can see pictures of all of those events at midsouthcartoonist.org and also info on the dinner meetings and our upcoming art show, uh, Spam a Little, Knights of the Drawing Table, which will be out at Germantown Community Theater in March. I feel happy! Again, thanks to Kevin, thanks to Steve, and thanks to y'all for listening. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over! Funny is an MSA podcast. You can find out more about the Mid-South Cartoonists Association at midsouthcartoonists.org and on the MSCA Facebook page. Be sure to like that page and follow our group on Twitter at MSCA underscore Memphis and on Instagram at midsouthcartoonists. You can keep up with this show at any of those or on the show site drawingfunny.com as well as on Twitter at drawingfunny1 Drawing Funny with the number one, or Instagram at Drawing Funny Pod.
links and other info can be found in the show notes of each episode at drawingfunny.com. Shameless plug for me, I have my Lynn Workman, that's L-I-N Workman.com art site, and my geek travel blog and webcomic, HaveGeekWillTravel.com. My social media info and bio are on all those sites, along with several examples of my artwork. Thanks for listening. I hope to talk tunes with you all again real soon. Until then, stay tuned and keep drawing funny. Very cool. Well, how did you get into doing puppets? Did the, the cartooning come first or did the, the puppet? Oh, hang on, let me turn that on. <laughs> oh my God, I put it on silent. Don't you hate those uh, those unprofessional puppet? I mean, uh, podcast people that can't. No, I, was <laughs> I swear to God, it's like I got John Ostrander on here and my computer completely melted down in the middle of it. Oh, no. I, and I about, you know, had, had a freaking heart attack. But anyway, yeah. okay. We'll go back so to, car- the cartoon oh, did, came for. Oh, sorry. I'll, I'll just start yeah. over so I can just edit. But and so did take. You, and here we go. Yay. Um,